Morning, church. It is indeed a joy to be gathered together in the house of the Lord as we come together to praise his name. Welcome to all of you to Pendleton Center United Methodist Church, and we certainly welcome our friends who are joining us online this morning. My name is Scott. I'm part of your pastoral team, and it's a joy to be with you today. So let us begin with our normal greeting, which is the peace of the risen Christ be with you. Everybody take a moment and share that with everyone. Just gentle wave as we have let the peace of Christ flow through the room the way God can do. And as we come today, we're excited because we know there's such big energy in the city around some good things happening. <laughs> and let's hope we can translate that energy into our worship time because today we're going to be talking about speaking and living your truth speaking and living your truth. And with that on our hearts today, let's take a moment come before God in prayer. Spirit of the living God, be upon us today. Move among us as we open our hearts to you. Come to us and of course, let us speak your truth mightily as we move into the world. Let us be vessels of your healing for those who are sick. Let us be those who help set those who are oppressed free. Let us be those who bring liberty to those who are bruised. Lord, however people are wounded, however people are hurting, let your people go into the world with joy and with love as we speak your truth to those who need to hear it. Spirit of the Lord, be upon us. Fall fresh on us this morning as we come to praise your holy name. Amen. I was going to say, man, there is a palpable energy in this room today. And when you think about that excitement that we have for what's to come, I wonder if that's the excitement that the followers of Jesus had as he started his ministry and they realized, wow, this is big and he's important and he's bringing us good news. And we're called to share that good news. So our first hymn is Christ for the World We Sing. I invite you to stand if you're able.
Good morning, all. It's good to see you on this chilly morning. I'm Jennifer Stam, and I'm the uh, pastoral assistant here, and I'm very happy to be spending time with you. So for our offering time, practicing what we teach, the words and worship here in church are beautiful, but God cares about as much about what we do every hour of the week as he does what happens here in this church each Sunday. We're partners with God and with one another in this marvelous ministry, and our giving is one way that we practice what we teach, generosity and joy. Our mission moment for this week is Matthew 25, and that goes towards helping people who come seeking help right here at Pendleton Center. Whether it be for food, financial help, or basic necessities, Matthew 25 helps support our neighbors in need. So let us gather our gifts, offer them to God in gratitude and praise.
everlasting God, everything we have comes from you. And we give thanks this day to you with our tithes and our gifts and our offerings. May they be pleasing in your sight and help us do your work in the world. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So we come to a time of prayer and celebration, um, and I'd like to remind you that we do have the candles back up, so at any point um, you would like to go over, whether it be before the service or during the service, and light a candle um, with thoughts of someone, please feel free to do so. Um, Today we'd like to keep Pastor Kathy in our prayers. She starts her renewal leave, and she will be back with us in several weeks. we have a youth, Abby, um, who comes with our, uh, to our Heart Chocolate with God and our youth events. And Abby was recently diagnosed with uh, stage four cancer. Um, and she is undergoing treatments in Children's Hospital. So please keep Abby and her family in your prayers. Um, we'd also lift, like to lift up all of those who are suffering or recovering or from COVID. Um, it is definitely hitting us hard this year. Um, So please keep all of those in your hearts. Um, And for all those who are missing loved ones, who have lost people, or who are just missing that connection. So please pray with me. Heavenly God, we're here to worship you in good times, knowing nothing can separate us from your love. Thank you for blessing us. Thank you for our health, strength, wisdom, good humor, new beginnings, sacrifices that are made for the benefit of others, for loved ones, our community, our country, and our church. We worship you in bad times, knowing nothing can separate us from your love. No matter how tragic, how senseless, how frightening or heartbreaking, maddening, stupid, hurtful, or unreal, We know in our hearts it cannot ultimately separate us from your love. Thank you. We offer up prayers today, those in our hearts and those spoken aloud. We pray for the needs of others, and they are many. Help us to show up exactly where you want us. Help us to be available, open, listening and looking. Help us to be teachable and accountable and compassionate to those in distress. Help us to be respectful of everyone and help us to seek you with every encounter. We'd like to bear witness to your goodness and love. We want to please you. Hear our prayers and draw us close, O God. Draw us close so that where you are, we are too. Feed us, root us, ground us in you. Heavenly Father, receive our prayers today. You know what we need. You know that we love you. And we praise your name. Amen.
Good morning. So this morning I'll be reading from the book of Luke, chapter 4, verses 14 through 21. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. So would you pray with me, please? Loving God, we give you thanks for this moment. Thank you for this time. As we come this morning with our hearts open, after having sung together, having heard your word, and having prayed, move mightily among us, Lord. We are open to your presence and that which you would do in each of us. So please plant a seed that will grow and bear fruit for the honor and the glory of your name. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. So, as you heard me say during the greeting time, there's a certain energy going on today, <laughs> an excitement that everybody can feel, and of course, it's because we got a big football game going on later. <laughs> now, don't worry, those of you who are not fans, this is not really a football-centered sermon. <laughs> but <clears throat> we know what's happening, and you can tell. The people are excited. One of the things that struck me when the Bills advanced was on the news the very next day, they started talking about the cost of flights to Kansas City. <laughs> and there was a person on AAA talking about it's 974 miles, it'll take you 14 hours, but you're going to have to pay this much in gas. That's how seriously people take this stuff. <laughs> now, you know, because Bill's Mafia travels well. <laughs> and so I don't know how many of you have had that much fun of wearing your own team's jersey in an opposing stadium. <laughs> but... People are willing to do it when you know who you are, you know what you stand for, and you're ready to show up and represent, right? <laughs> See, I have a story like that too, but I'm about to say something that might cost me a few friendships. <laughs> because those of you who know me know that I was born and raised in Pittsburgh, so I'm a Steeler fan. <laughs> and so, <laughs> yeah, that's what I figured. <laughs> So I had, I had moved to Buffalo. I'd been here a few years, and a friend of mine who had lived in Pittsburgh for a while himself, he and I um, were able to score through a mutual friend some tickets to the Bills game because Steelers were in town. And I asked him, I asked him point blank, I said, are you going as a Steeler fan 
or are you going as a Bills fan? He said, no, 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 I'm going as a Steelers fan. I was like, okay. So he shows up at my house Sunday morning. Now, I, of course, am in black from head to toe. I've got a Palomalu jersey on, got the hoodie, got the towel, the whole thing. And if you don't know what that means, somebody explain it to you. But that being said, so I open my door, and he's got on a Bills t-shirt. <laughs> because we were going to be sitting in a pretty significant section of season ticket holders, and he was kind of afraid of what might happen. <laughs> And I was like, I can't believe he sold me out. <laughs> so, of course, we went. I cheered for my team. He was kind of playing both sides of the fence. <laughs> but, and I took my fair share of crap that day. I got to be honest with you, because we lost. <laughs> but you know who you are. <laughs> and as I've shared with friends, you know, I've lived in Buffalo long enough. I do cheer for the Bills in never game except one. <laughs> but. My point is this, when you know who you are, you don't just let that go because it's challenging. You don't just let that go because it's hard. As we talked about people going to Kansas City and me rooting for the Steelers here, when you know who you are, you stand in that and you do it even when it might lead to a couple of headwinds. And I want us to think about that as disciples today. Because we are studying a story in which we find our Lord telling his truth in the midst of folks who may not want to hear it. And it's important that we see that example and learn from that example and figure out what it tells us in the face of a world that can be pretty hostile to who we are as well. And so when you think about that reality, let's go into our story because Luke is just now starting his record of Jesus' public ministry. Now, you know, we heard Louis read, we're in chapter 4. But before this, we get the birth narrative and some other stories. And the start of chapter 4 is Jesus going into the wilderness to be tempted. And that's why the verse that kicks off this phrase starts, kicks off this particular passage. Verse 14 says this, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit because he's just come back from his temptation. Okay? Now, Luke does something a little interesting here because he fast forwards in the story. Because you will hear later on that Jesus says to the folk in this room that you'll want me to do for you what you heard I did in Capernaum. But Luke hasn't talked about Capernaum yet. Okay? But Matthew and Mark tell what happens in Capernaum before they tell this story. And so that's just so you have a little more of the context. But here we are, Jesus has been preaching, he's been teaching, he's done some good works, and he returns to his hometown. So he goes to church. That's essentially what happens. He's in town, he goes to church, as was his custom, which is what we hear. He gets there, and there's time for somebody to read. And so they hand him the scroll, or essentially the book of Isaiah. He gets up, he reads, and then he reads this passage, which is so powerful for all of us. And it would have been very powerful for them as well. Let's just hear the words again. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free 
to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Some powerful words. And what you've got to remember is, especially in that moment, everybody knows what those words mean. That the Jewish people at that time were hanging on the arrival of the Messiah. They were looking forward to it. It's what they were counting on. They were living in an oppressed state. They were living under an occupation. And they wanted their messianic figure to show up and set them free. They were counting on it. And this passage points to the coming of the Messiah. And so they would have brought up all those feelings. They'd have been sitting there thinking, yeah, we are looking forward to that. Now, what's interesting is what happens next, because you get this sense of a heavy silence in the room. Okay? It says, then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendants, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. Now, this could be for a couple of different reasons. Because most of these folks would have remembered him as Joseph and Mary's boy from down the street. Okay? Now, we're not exactly sure, based on Scripture, when the Holy Family arrived back in Nazareth. We don't know that. We know that they went to Bethlehem. Jesus was born. They left when he was young, went to Egypt to escape Herod. And then after Herod dies, they go back to Nazareth. We don't have an exact timeline on when they go back. But he spent his formative years there. Everybody agrees with that. So many of the people sitting in the room would have remembered him from Yebab Yehai to being a fully grown man. Now, we also don't know how many people in that room would have remembered the controversy around his birth. There may have been some, but we don't know. But something was clearly going on when he reads this passage that everybody was like, okay. Because you get that sense of there's a freeze there. <laughs> it's like, huh. And then truth bomb. Because he goes and he sits back down. And everybody's staring at him. And everybody's wondering what's going on. And he says, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So, pretty dramatic moment. Because, as we said, there's a room full of people who know what those words are about, who know what they are looking forward to, and they're hanging on it in terms of their faith. And here comes Joseph and Mary's kid. And whether they have the background or not, he stands up and says, I'm that guy. Now, what this tells us is Jesus is being true to who he is. He's already done some work, and they're aware that he's done some work. And he's letting people in on the fact that, yeah, I'm the one you've been waiting for. He's not going to sell himself out just because people are uncomfortable. He's not going to sit quietly and let it just pass because it would be easier for him. He speaks his truth. He won't ignore and he won't deny who he is. That's one of the fascinating things about Jesus throughout Scripture. 
is that in many ways he wants people to figure it out because it's a matter of faith, but he never denies who he is. Never denies who he is. And the question that many of us have to sit here and think about is, would we have the courage to live our truth the same way in that same kind of moment? Now, granted, of course, none of us is Jesus, but at the same time as disciples of Jesus living in this world, you are regularly put in moments, put in context where who you profess to be is going to be on trial. There are going to be times when the world is going to say, do this, or the world is saying, we think you're that. The question is, who will you then profess yourself to be? Not only in terms of what you say, but in how you behave. Will you speak and live your truth when it gets hard? Because that is something that we all face in our own way, and I'm willing to bet none of us is batting a thousand at it. But that being said, hearing that truth does not absolve us from knowing better and doing better going forward. Because in this world in which we live, where it is so challenging for us from time to time, we need to remember something very clearly. Whether we want to believe it or not, there is a non-believing world that looks at us constantly. And you probably have people in your life, some of whom may not even know that you're a disciple of Jesus. Some of whom may not even know that you get up on Sunday mornings and come out on days like today because it means that much to you. And in those moments, however they look in your life, will you say your truth? Now, what does that really mean? Because we all are dealing with stuff all the time. Friends who get sick. Coworkers who are making particular types of choices, saying types of things. Neighbors, people who cut you off in traffic or jump in front of you in line at the store. When these situations show up, who do you profess yourself and your Lord to be? Because those are the moments where you get to speak a truth. A lot of times that non-believing world looks at us and goes, well, what difference does any of this make? Who cares if you get up on Sunday morning and go to church? Because for some folks, they have that vague conception of a God out there that's nice and fun, and they can buy into that. But what difference does it make? There are some folks who get up and go to church, and they will do their thing, and they have a lot of friends, but when they're outside of the church, what difference does it make? And then there are those. Those who can tell you a story. Whether their story was a big, dramatic moment in which something changed for them and they understood the love of God in their life in a new way, or maybe it's just been simply their awakening over many, many years to the fact that, yes, God loves me and loves me enough that Jesus did these things for me and I have to give my heart to him. 
And saying that and knowing that makes them make different choices, makes them speak and live a truth when the world shows up and says, are you going to choose the world or are you going to choose Christ? Because that's what this is about. If it means nothing, it shows. If it matters to you, it shows. And the hard part for us is to make sure that we at least are aware of that. Because it's one thing to, quote, believe it. But if you believe it, can you really say you believe it if you never live like you believe it? If you never make the choices, if you never speak the words, if you never do the things that look like Jesus in the world. Because that's the difference it's supposed to make. So for us, when you see that friend who is struggling because they're taking care of a loved one at home, How can you be love in their life? How can you offer them real support, real encouragement, real help? When you know that there's someone who's a neighbor who's maybe lost someone in their life. Can you speak a word of encouragement? Can you speak a word of joy? Can you speak a word of comfort into their moment that lets them know there is another way? Not beating them over the head with evangelism, but actually living a life of love. That can be transformational. When there is need, deep, compelling need, not just big disasters like hurricanes, but folk who we know are hungry, can you put your money, your time, your energy where your professed faith is? Will you speak and live your truth when it's challenging. Because as we will see next week, it gets challenging. And it can be a whole lot more challenging to be a disciple of Jesus in this world than it is to wear Steelers jerseys to the Ralph. (laughs) But that being said, if we don't stand out in some kind of way, if we just go along and look like everybody else, the question hangs, what difference has it made for you? And the thing is, we know we serve a God who makes a difference. We know that God has touched our lives. We know that we are redeemed by the blood of Christ, and we know that he has overcome the world. And so do we move in this world in a way that shows we get that? Because when we do, Especially in times like now, when so much is weighing so heavily, when people are so deeply divided, when people are so deeply anxious, when there's so much stress and concern and worry, will we speak and be a word for people that is transformational? And if you think, well, I don't know that I can do that, listen to Jesus himself. Listen to Jesus himself. Because he already gave you the words. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Now, you ain't Jesus. But that very same Spirit 
The spirit that descended upon him at his baptism, the spirit that moved in the disciples at Pentecost is the very same spirit that lives in you. And so, yes, you can. That you have exactly all you need to do exactly what God wants you to do because that's who God is. So can you trust that? Will you rely on that? Will you stand in that when it's time to stand up? Because we know that the world is different when the people of God speak up and stand up. It's just up to us to do it. We know we've all had our moments, and I could tell you my stories of it, when I've simply been too afraid to be the disciple I know God wants me to be. But you know the saying, you can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start now and change the ending. So be who God has called you to be. Speak and live your truth and watch God transform your world. Amen and amen. Loving and gracious God, we thank you that you are who you are, that you work in the ways that you have and that you have been willing to live and speak your truth so courageously and lovingly at all times. Let us rest in that power that you have given us via your Holy Spirit to be able to do the same, to be difference makers, to be people who spread and share love and truth in ways that allow all your children, those who don't yet understand, to come to you and know. Because we know what you have done for us. We know the difference you have made. So let us hold you high and let others come and see. Because as the world beats us down and tries to put different things and names on us, let us speak your truth as to who you see us as, as to who we know you to be, and to the days and the ways in which are coming. Because you have loved us so greatly, so totally, and you have changed us, changed us, so that we can live a little more like you, love a little more like you, and be a little more like you all the time. Thank you for your grace that makes a difference in us. Amen. As we consider God's grace and know the ways that which we have experienced it, one of the most powerful ways we know our God is with us is to experience the gift of Holy Communion. Let's open our hearts as we come to the Lord's table this morning. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord, our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing, always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Almighty God, the creator of heaven and earth, you formed us in your image and breathed into us the breath of life. When we turned away and our love failed, your love remained steadfast. You delivered us from captivity, made covenant to be our sovereign God, and spoke to us through your prophets, who look for the day 
when justice would roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream, when nation would not lift up sword against nation and neither would they study war anymore. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you, and blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ. Your Spirit anointed him to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to announce that the time had come when you would save your people. He healed the sick, fed the hungry, and ate with sinners. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. At his ascension, you exalted him to sit and reign with you at your right hand. And on the night in which he gave himself up for us, Jesus took bread, gave thanks to you, he broke the bread, and he gave it to his disciples, and he said, take and eat, for this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, he took the cup, he gave thanks to you, and he gave it to his disciples, and he said, drink from this, all of you, for this is my blood, sign of the new covenant, which is poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Every time that you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. And so, in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and cup. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other and one in ministry to all the world that we may be, that we may feast at his heavenly banquet when Christ comes in final victory. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, in your Holy Spirit and in your Holy Church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty God, now and forever. Amen. And let's pray together the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
Would those who are serving today please join us in front? table is prepared and our Lord beckons. Understand that our table is open. All are welcome. Truly all are welcome. As God has opened this table to all because it's about who Jesus is and not what we think we deserve. So we ask you to come down by the center aisle, receive your elements in the front and exit by the side. There's a gluten-free station on the far end of the sanctuary here if you prefer that. If you would also like prepared elements or I'm sorry, prepackaged elements, they can be handed to you by one of your servers. But we ask that you receive it because communion is a gift from God to you. Please come as the Spirit moves.
there's a line in our closing song that says, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And it's that strength to stand in the truth, to live out the truth, and the reason to praise. And the reason that we do stand and praise and glorify a God that is holy. So I'm hoping that the Holy Spirit, because it's always the Holy Spirit's movement that we respond to. And I'm hoping for quite a few of us that response will be maybe to raise our hands today. And not just because the song says so. <laughs> so I invite you to stand as we sing our closing song, Holy is the Lord.
The Spirit of the Lord is upon you. Yes, you. No matter how it feels, but remember that power, that holiness, that gifting. The Spirit of the Lord is upon you to do the things that God wants done in the world. Trust that and go and speak your truth in his name. Now in the name of God, our creator and king, in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our savior, in the name of the Holy Spirit, our counselor and our sustainer, may God bless us now as we leave to love and serve God and all God's children. Amen.